uh, it, it's one of these meat lessons, <laughs> to be honest with you. And uh, if we can get a, if this lesson gets a hold of us, and if we get a hold of it, uh, to, to help us to really comprehend and understand what it's instructing us. How many likes to be chastised? Did your parents ever whip you or corrected you that you remember it? That sticks out further than the rest? That forever was, <laughs> was forever imprinted in your mind and your spirit? And, and so uh, even here, we're going to see. The faithful in correction. To be faithful in that correction. You know, this is true not just with parents and uh, with people that's in authority and even including uh, maybe our bosses or whatever. Sometimes when we're corrected, and the method and the way that we are corrected, um, our, our attitude, our spirit, our, the way that we look at them could change. Uh, I know sometimes, you know, on a job, you know, some people you can't correct them. You don't have an option. Sometimes you have to do it. You know the consequences of it. And uh, I've seen times where individuals just simply had to be moved to another area before somebody got killed. <laughs> I'm just telling you the way of life. That's the way it is. But the writer of Hebrews in this 12th chapter, and this is, you know, the writing of Hebrews is what our lessons have really been on. And they've, they've been good. They've been good. Hebrews is not the easiest book to, um, you just don't read it and just, you know, you've got to put some thought into it. You've got to put some. Uh, prayer into it and some meditation into it because it's so uh, powerful. It really is. Uh, many believe that there's a strong possibility, you know, most believe that Paul is a writer of it, but most believe also the reason he didn't put his name to it because immediately they would have, especially those that he was writing to, would have rejected the letter before it ever even got started. Don't say you don't do that. You go to the mailbox and you pick up and you look at certain mail, certain headings. You don't even bother to open the envelope, do you? I agree. I do, too. We call it trash mail. Now, they wouldn't agree with that. They would say, oh, man, we're offering you the best deal of the, of the century. You know, all this other stuff. And uh, there's been a few times and you answer the phone and they'll tell you, you know, don't hang up. About the first thing you hear. <laughs> That's the first clue. <laughs> but uh, it, it just depends. But, but you see what I'm saying. Our nature, okay, our makeup, what we was born into in the natural, it is not the most natural thing to submit, to yield, and to enjoy correction. But... Nobody can avoid it. 
Nobody is exempt from it. You'll never reach a place in life, regardless of how senior that you may feel you are, that I'll reach a place that nobody tells me what to do. Y'all liking this already, ain't you? But these are spirits and attitudes and even the shaping of our country, if we're not careful now. Because we focus on dreams of being of independence and of great liberty. That's true. As long as it's all kept in its right perspectives and its right place. Thank God for that. You know... And I could go into a lot of areas from the president to Congress to the senators. Everybody needs somebody as a watchman. Everybody's got to have somebody that they got to answer to and has the power that when they refuse to answer, and especially when they're doing things that's not right, that's either breaking the law or going to bring destruction to this nation or destruction to a family or to an individual. I'm touching some areas there. We don't want the government to have access into our homes. We don't want, uh, I remember back with Katrina and some of the things that was unfolding and taking place and uh, sometimes we have a tendency, you know, we want the assistance of a government, but we don't want them to have no say-so. We want them to help us when we get in certain circumstances, situations, especially when we find ourselves in a situation that we really need. Uh, if somebody don't help us, we're fixing to drown. We, that's financially, that's whatever it might be. If we have another country coming in here and blowing us up, thank God we got a military. And somebody had to pay the price to be a part of that military to protect us. Now watch this. Even those men, even though they're, they're working for us and giving themselves and, uh, and, and what you could say had volunteered themselves, uh, just because they volunteered themselves does not give them the privilege to call whenever they want to call back home, to do what they want to do, to dress like they want to dress, to act like they want to act. Boy, I'm, I'm telling you now. <laughs> and they got some folks that's overseeing them that are getting in their face Mama wouldn't like it. <laughs> Daddy wouldn't like it. But that's part of the process to make them what they need them to be because when the time of this battle comes, if they have not been trained and conditioned and learn how to fall under submission, it could cost them their lives, but not only their lives, but their whole whoever they're with, their group, their team, their, you know, according to what part you're with, the Army, the Navy, whatever. But, but it doesn't stop there. That's true for all of them. And so here, I want us to notice some key things. Even, you know, even the Lord chastises us. We don't want to... Our tendency a lot of time is... 
that that wasn't from God. Things that we don't like, we have a tendency and we're subject to and given to give that credit to the devil. When all said and done, it was that Heavenly Father that loved us so much that He wasn't just going to stand on the side. The scriptures are plain writings, such key words as suffer. The Lord suffered and allowed them, nations, people, as, as they would pursue to go in the way of darkness and unbelief and their own way of living. means he didn't agree with it, but he finally allowed them. There's some things I want you to notice even in this, our, our, our lesson today out of Jonah. God's, now watch this. Good earthly fathers don't just come walking in and snatch up a Purpose, no reason, no cause. They just. Most of the time, <clears throat> if not all the time, there had been lines already drawn and commandments already had been given. Instructions. If you do this, then this is what's going to happen. Here's a line. And, and if, if you cross this line, then this is how I'm going to have to respond. Are you, are, you, are you with me now? So, faithful in correction. Sometimes, you know, everybody can be faithful whenever God's blessing us and all the bills are paid. Everybody's living great. Everybody's healthy. Kids, man, I got angels. I mean, they're, I mean, I mean, I mean, we all top of the world. But it's a, let me ask you something. Has your child ever told you when you're whipping them, you don't love me? They didn't tell you that when you had them keys to that. Tell you that when you said, no, baby, you go ahead. You, you, you stay out as long as you want to tonight. Here's my credit card. God's helping us. But real, genuine faithfulness is when the world is tumbling out from under us. And whenever we even come to the realization that, you know what? My Heavenly Father's correcting me. And I'm not going to faint in it. And I'm not going to grow weary in it. And I'm not going to backslide over it. But I'm going to be faithful in this correction. Because I know in my own heart and mind, even with all the pain and the agony, that He's got my best interest in mind. And uh, that's, that's where, and that's what this lesson man is really talking about because it's also during those times that the devil's going to step up 
and carnality is going to step up. And the world out there is going to step up. And there's going to be all type of confusion if you're not careful. That's like the kid, when the parents corrected them, they start calling their buddies. My parents told me that I'd just leave. That's not a friend. That's an enemy. <laughs> Did you know sometimes you and I as saints of God, and as, as, as the age we are, we're prone to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll put out feelers to see if I can get somebody to agree with me. To help justify my feelings. Because it starts with feelings. And then it, and it bleeds over into actions. So if I can justify the anger, the hurt, the pain, it'll justify my ability to retaliate. And if you're, if you're not careful, here's what leads to that. It also justifies the method I use to retaliate and how much punishment I want to put into it. Our court systems are set up, and it really depends on the, the situation and what your lawyers can prove one way or the other will determine the, the punishment that will come. First of all, it proves if you're guilty. Good lawyers know that when they got a client that they know that it's impossible to get them out of the situation they're in. They're guilty. Everybody knows it. Their next best thing to do is to work toward a means and a ways to get as least amount of punishment for the crime that has been committed. I wouldn't hire a lawyer that just come in there and says, no, we're going to get you off. We know, we know there's no way under the sun that can happen. We're guilty. Anybody ever sin? Anybody ever come short? We're all there, aren't we? But we got the greatest lawyer, defense lawyer, that will not lose a case if we'll listen to what he says and do it. We'll obey. First of all, we got to admit, got to confess and say, I, I deserve this, but I'm crying out for mercy. I'm crying out for long suffering. So we're going to see this play out in this lesson today. As we watch God. Even with his own man, with his chosen vessel, with one of his own Hebrew people, demonstrate his long suffering, his long suffering and his mercy. Unto a people that 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 leaves us with a verse, the final verse of that fourth chapter, of a great host of people that don't know their left hand from the right. Different opinions of the interpretation of that particular scripture. I personally believe 
You can look at it a number of ways. I know we're going to Utah. I'm just talking about don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. I was talking about in praise and, and things or, or commitment. But, but I, I believe it's of knowledge. Of knowledge. They didn't have a clue about this one God. See, that was the responsibility of these Hebrews. That was the responsibility of Israel. Is to is to come out of the Ur of the Chaldeans and make their way to the promised land and throughout those nations presenting unto them this one true God, this Jehovah God. That's the reason they was encouraged not to bow down to their gods, not to not partake of their altars and their methods and ways of worshiping. Because even from the very beginning, there was really only one way. It was a God's idea how, how for God to allow his presence to come into their place. It was a God's idea of the method, the procedure that was taking place and the tabernacle plan and how the eye through this ark at this particular time, but yet it's going to bear on the shoulders of Levi. But I'm going to show the rest of this world there is a God that's not made by man's hand, just not made. He's not in the heavens and he's not in the waters and you can't fashion it for him. No, he is a God. He is a spirit. And so we're going to see that he's going to show through this, through this prophet called Jonah. Focus thought, if we remain faithful to God in the difficult times of trials and correction. As a result, God will bring the spiritual perfection we need into our lives and make us righteous. Please understand that righteousness is God's righteousness. Not, not man's ideas of righteousness. There's, there's a difference. Scripture says, let every man be a liar and God be truth. There is a righteousness that comes from God and only God. And there is a right means and pathway and method to attain that and then to hold on to it. And so one of the, the, the major battle that you and I have engaged in when we was brought into this gospel, when we felt the tug of his spirit, when we heard the gospel and responded and obeyed it and became a part of it. And that's the struggle between righteousness and unrighteousness. And unrighteousness is constantly on the warfare of defiling, polluting, and causing the true righteousness of God to be overcome and defeated. Even upon this earth. We sung the song of the unseen hand. George Washington, the first president of this, of this nation. Okay, watch him. General of that Revolutionary War made this statement. He said, All America, and this ain't verbatim, but it's it's close, should, we should, we, we should obligate it as Americans of that invisible hand that plays in the affairs of all men. There is a God. God that missed not one thing. 
knows exactly where we're at. And he may put us there. And if he does, there is a purpose. Watch this. We can say it two ways. God's will will be done. A God's purpose to be done. I can tell you how many times I've heard that the will of God would be done in the last two weeks. And that is true. Unless we use it, well, I want to be careful here, but it's the truth. Unless I use it just as a form that I wouldn't be willing to stand and put up the fight. And I'd use it for a cop-out. It's God's will that all would be saved. Now, we know by the Scripture it's not going to happen, but at the same time, it's God's will. God had a plan that could save all of humanity through Jesus Christ. For he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish. But then you've got to go and you've got to believe on him as the scripture says. And you can't just believe on it. You've got to act and obey it. For obedience is better than sacrifice. You can't just imagine it. And you can't just have a head knowledge of it. There is an actual birthing again that takes place. So, I, I'm, anyway, here we go. Focus verse, Hebrews 12 and 11. Now no chastening for the present seemed to be joy. So you ever get by a whipping? Is there ever a time that you may have done something and you knew you deserved it and possibly you're going to get it, but, but somehow or another fell through the cracks somehow? Yeah. Boy, whoo, praise God, hallelujah. Some of y'all looking at me like you've never been threatened. You've never been whipped. You've never. <laughs> no, nah, we all have. Maybe, maybe not by an earthly father or mother. But I can promise you one thing, according to the book. Everybody's been, everybody's been chastised by God. Son or not. Now, there's something in this lesson, a little part of it, that's going to come out. It's going to leap out to us. Okay, because let me let me ask you, what's the first purpose of chastising? What is the purpose of it? What should be the purpose of it? What's the goal? I'm not asking for a response here, but any of you as parents or, or grandparents, the world we live in today, grandparents as much involved in this as parents now. Corrected a child. And you had to even go beyond what you like to to correct that child. And you found pleasure in that. It didn't bother you. In fact, you backed off and said, boy, I hope he keeps on doing this. I can beat him again. Hey, I'm going to tell you, if you've got that kind of attitude, spirit, make up about you, you the one and God's correcting hands, fixing to get you. I'd love to say that every time that we've been corrected, that's all it took. And man, we lined up, we straightened up, buddy. We <laughs> they was talking the other day over there, and they mentioned some things. And hey, I, I can remember. I remember my dad. My dad didn't have to say a word sometimes. 
He could just give you that look. And you knew then, you better put the brakes on. You better shut her all down. You better because, buddy, just one more little action, whatever, son. It was over with. It was going to be on. And it didn't matter if it was at church, at Walmart, <laughs> in your house, my house, or whoever's house. Now, I understand, before I go too far into that, I understand we live in a different day and time. Back then, I, it never crossed my mind to have, call who? <laughs> say what? I can honestly say that all the times we was correct and all the times we said no, it never crossed my mind, ever crossed my mind to lift my hand toward my dad or my mother, ever. I'm not saying we was perfect. I'm just telling you we was living in a different season and time. The spiritual world was not the same. I'm not giving excuses. I'm just telling you we're in a different warfare today and a different battleground today. Now, we brought that on. We fed the wrong spirits. We have we've gave room and opened up. It's caused this, but you and I are part of it, and we can't be exempt from it. Okay? All this is in this. All this is in this lesson now. Hmm. There's some things you get caught up and pulled into. Not of your own doings. But you're still caught up in it. But grievous, notice what the scripture says, but really, that wasn't a good thing. It really wasn't. The best thing to do is to receive the chastisement. I know I've said this before, and I'm going to say it here again this morning. If you committed a crime, and you went to that court, and you really repented, you came and you repented, and you were still facing court, and court time, and the, the, the punishment that was going to come, sure, my heart beat my prayer. If, if, if it was me, or you, or my family, my prayer would be, God, show us mercy, grace. Okay? But at the same time, if we really repent, we're going to put it in your hands, God, and trust. Regardless of who the judge or the lawyers, that whatever the outcome is, we're going to receive that with the right spirit and right attitude. Because that's the just reward for the actions. But individuals that reject or refuse to do that, when they were guilty, they did not repent. Because what they really wanted was to be set free and nothing said, nothing done. That's not true repentance. How many of you believe that you deserve death? Oh, yeah. We didn't earn this salvation. We didn't even deserve it. That's where the grace of God comes in. Now, what's happened to America and what their way of thinking is that they can live in that and that his grace is going to save them at the end of the journey. That's not it. Read your Bible. His grace is to deliver us that we can overcome and be victorious in this present world and live godly lives by his grace. Now, that doesn't exempt us from doing everything perfect and we do everything. No, we're on a journey in earthen vessels. And that's the reason you've got to have the chastening rod of God in our lives. That's the reason you've got to have overseers in our lives. Because none of us are at the place, <laughs> amen, that we... Now, now, if you're struggling with that, 
Go to Hebrews 5 and 8. Talking about Jesus Christ as a son. And it led us to know that he, he learned obedience through suffering. Jesus Christ, the King of glory. And if he learned that through suffering, so will we. The real key is, is to learn it. To learn it. And to attain that. And uh, that's, that's the most important part. Amen. Uh, you know, Lord, I... Well, God, I hope that's one test I don't have to go through again. I hope I've done well enough. Amen. I got that one, that one done. <laughs> he may try, try me with something else, but, but oh, God, maybe, maybe not that one again. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, the cultural connection, and uh, it, it talks about Asia, this lady um, that was uh, brought into the, the country of Pakistan, and we, we hear these stories. We've heard of them. I'm not going to try to read it and do all that. But we know it was against the Islamic faith. And how true that is. And when you make a stand and voice against it, what you're subject to. And so their family was facing a situation with her as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter. A man subject to death. But even when the judge and the lawyers and everybody was involved, a man had quitted her. They had promised to kill all of them to take their lives. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we're going we, we're gonna to find ourselves when we make a stand. I, I believe, I think there's some ingredients I need to drop in here. First of all, let's make sure we're walking in the Holy Ghost and the will of God. Second of all, let's make sure we're doing it out of kiss spirit. There's no greater love than this, than the love of God that's shed abroad. Amen. By what? By the power of the Holy Ghost out of our hearts. How we respond to things. How we handle situations. Amen. The scriptures taught us. Well, I'm, I'm going to touch some areas here now. Um, of, 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 you know, we, you and I, our response of certain things can escalate something or we can, we can, we can cause it to uh, uh, simmer back down. And we're known and should have been known as the children of peace. We're the peace Makers. When we're called into a situation, it should not, especially immediately, escalate into violence and out of control and people getting hurt. Now, you may not like your pastor for this so with, but still the truth. Still, I'm in the book. I'm in the book. We're, we're chosen people. The kingdom that's in us. The power. According to the power that worketh in us. There, there it is. It's according to what power? I'd love to tell you this morning that when you and I got the Holy Ghost, that it, it, it overrides and exempt and, and put closed locked doors to everything else. All other spirits, all of who in our own makeup, it, it doesn't. You know what happened? There's a spirit in us now that by, the, by securing, comforting, guiding, leading, helping, assisting us. Not to go that direction. Not to handle it. Now we have an option to do it God's way. With the help of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. You got any scripture to back that up? I sure do. 
got two lives. The main two apostles in your life, the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul. Both of these men were high-tempered. Both of these men would drag you, beat you up, cut your head off. They got a record of it. But after receiving the Holy Ghost, can you read? Do you read any of them handle the situations in that same form, manner, and actions? Do you need any more witnesses? Do you need any more testimonies? That's the main two apostles in the book of Acts. Okay? The writer starts out the lesson contemplating the topic. He talks about a young gentleman, Jonathan, young, young boy, a nose with leukemia, and the, the roller coaster ride. I can just put it that way, of all the treatments and the battle and the struggle between the cancer and the chemo and the things that happen. Uh, well, I've learned so much in the last two weeks without focusing a whole lot on that, but it's still the truth um, of, of, of this roller coaster ride. And uh, doing good one minute, but, but you'd be shocked in, in a minute. Everything can bottom out. And when your life at that moment, as the body of itself in, in one sense, is being controlled by machines and the individuals that have been trained to operate those machines, even they realize if we don't stay on top of it, if we don't watch it, we can lose that individual just like that. They can reach a point that there's no return. That we cannot. But thank God, when you are a people of faith, there is one that's, that overrides, that's, is that underneath hands, is that sure foundation that you can put your faith and confidence in. That hey, But, but hear me out a little bit. But it's still our responsibility as even God-fearing and believing. You can't approach this stuff in the foreign manner that, you know, God's got this and you just walk away. That's not a testimony. That's not a, best, that's not a witness. You've got to remember we're on the earth. We're battling, struggling against, watch this. There's the, the last enemy that's going to be put under his feet is what? Now, I don't have all the handles to this. And my, I'll be honest with you, my spirit, and I don't express it. I try my best. I'm just, but uh, but the, the attitude sometimes of some thinking, you know, that, that the devil, he just, he just, you know, he has the power to just kill us. I'll tell you, the devil only has the power we give to him. We yield to him. But if we do not make a stand, if we don't voice, if we don't, and, and this is true in our own minds, in our own hearts, in our own spirits. That's the reason you start hearing, well, I want to be, I'm not trying to be ugly here. Because in the battle, the struggle, the valley, that's, that's what we're talking about. This, this is this, this here. You can approach that, and, and, and the writer mentions it. He says, hey, come on. 
We're, we're, we're real. We're human. We, why me? Why us? There, there. But I want you to understand something. And the writer goes into it. And I'm, I'm going to pass some of this, uh, the first part. If you read the story, the lesson, you know about the, Jonathan, he made it. He's, he's a preacher now. He's, they won. But it's that, it's that roller coaster ride, folks. I'm telling you. It's unreal. It's, it's the battle that's it's in the mind. I could name a couple from this local assembly. It was in the mind, man. The battle was in the mind. So as he goes into and searching the scriptures, Romans 8, 28 really sums it up. But, but to hear it out, hear what it's telling us. Hear what Paul's writings to the Romans is, is, is helping us to understand. As he done dealt with the sixth and seventh chapter, he's dealing with sin. He's dealing with our own nature. He's, dealing, he's dealt with so much here. Amen. And, and even the things that's constantly trying to rob us of the love of God and trying to derail us of our inheritance and finishing the race and finishing the course. Not just finishing. Everybody's going to die. It's opponent to man to die. That's going to happen. Can't avoid that. The only ones that's going to miss that, amen, and there's only just a small that missed it in the Scriptures, but it's those that's going to be caught in the rapture. Outside of that, everybody's going to die. Then after this, the judgment. But it's that journey that we all desire to hear the bishop of our soul, the great shepherd. Well done, thy good Faithful servant. Faithful servant's not one that's just been put on a shelf somewhere, put off in a corner somewhere, that's just been exempt. We'll tell you something. We can't approach life and the struggles of life with the attitude and the spirit that because we became Christ-like or we became followers of Jesus Christ, that we ought not have to deal with it. Not exempt. But if we're going to be the vessels of God, we've got to go through some of the same journeys. We've got to go through down some of the same roads. But the difference is, the difference is we got him with us. And how we respond and who we depend on and who we cry out to in these times and storms of our lives is what's going to make all the difference in the world. The writer talks about some of that. And uh, <laughs> do we ever require correction? Do we ever need correction? I think everybody 100% was saying here, yes. We're not so smart. We're not so intelligent. We're not so just got it all together that we, we don't need, no, That can be from an individual failing on your part. Or what's this? Or experiencing the umbrella of the impact of the curse of sin upon one and all. Okay? It's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to take place. And, um, he goes from that. 
He said, he goes, he says, bad actions require righteous corrections. Bad actions require it. You, you can't get away from it. You can't. God is not going to just turn his head. God is not just going to wink at it and overlook it. Because you know why? He knows if he don't deal with that, it won't stop there. It'll get worse. Now, watch this. Let's go back to that 28th verse. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God's always got a purpose. God's always got a goal. Now watch this. Correction has a goal. God's got a goal for that correction. If there's correction from God on our life, God's got a goal. And that's not for us to backslide. That's not for us to grow weary. That's not for us to get sideways. And that's what this Hebrew writer's talking about. That's what he's trying to help us. Because it's in those moments of struggle, pain, and uncertainty. I don't know how well I brought that to your attention in last week's lesson with the prophet himself. After laying upon that child, following the prime example before him. But you're going to read in the scriptures what he'd done What? You ever been in a situation you just couldn't sit there? But you find yourself in the waiting room. Not that you don't believe God, but you just got to know, I got, I got to get you to move. I got to get you to answer. I got to know that if you don't step in. That's, that's the difference. That's the difference. Well, let me say this. And that magnifies when it's when it's someone so dear and you care so much and you realize, God, this thing's really in your hands. And so you help me to do whatever I got to do. You help me respond. You help me handle this just like you want me to do it. Because I sure don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. God, come on, preacher. With the gifts and the prophets of the gifts, that, in, that vessel can shut them down. Can he? He can reject. Jonah proved that. Even in his own reasonings, why he done it. He was doing his best. First of all, fleeing from the presence of God, which would be the will of God. How can two agree except they walk together? You can't walk the absence of the presence of God and be in the will of God. You can't do things as contrary to the writings in this book and then back up and say, I want the will of God. When I'm, my actions and deeds are right the opposite of what this is taught. I'm not trying to be hard, folks. I, I, this, this is it's just a, the word of God forever said. Nobody 
has the power to change it. I don't care what position they hold. I don't care who they are. I don't care how many miracles they performed. And all that other won't make any difference. I'm telling you, on judgment day, there's going to be something telling him. We cast out devils in your name. We heal the sick in your name. I never knew you. You didn't get the foundation right, buddy. Oh, I honored your faith. I'm, 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 I'm forced by this book to honor it as God. When you called on my name and you believed it, I responded. But that didn't give you salvation. That didn't make you my son. That didn't make you my daughter. What well, does God do that? Well, the Bible says he reigns on the unjust as well as the just. He blesses the unjust. Some wicked and vile people. I mean, come on. God could shut their farms down. He could kill every cow they got. You see what I'm saying? And people are prone to take these blessings as favors of God. And they are. But you can't shift that into a place where it's salvation. You know what that is? That's the goodness of God loving you, probing you, pulling at you. Come on, come on. So, for a child of God, we got this promise. All things work together for good. That doesn't mean all things are good. That doesn't mean we're going to enjoy everything. But it can work to good. It depends upon, it depends on the product. It depends on the vessel. Uh, have you ever correct, you've got more than one child and you, when you correct your children, some, some, sometimes you can just kind of speak to them, get a little firm with them. And then some, hey amen, you can scream until you turn blue. But until you get up and you get the belt, you get all the other, you don't get a response until... And then there's some that even after all of that, they're so headstrong, so sold out. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not being ugly this morning, but that's the reason we got so many different on every street corner. That's not God-made churches. Now, he wants to move in every one of them. He wants to love all of them. Our lesson's proven that today. It's his heartbeat and desire to show long-suffering and kindness and show compassion upon humanity, regardless of who they are and how vile and wicked they are. It's his heartbeat and desire to get the gospel to them, that they might hear the gospel, the good tidings, the good news, that they might be saved. So, we know without a doubt... God is good. God is good. Regardless of what comes and goes and what we face, the struggles, the battles that we get into, God is good. Just for, you know, sometimes God's will, it, it's not an easy thing. To walk in the will of God is not the, could be of great resistance. 
opposition. It could cause great storms to come into your life, to walk in the will of God. How did we get to the place that, and I've heard this, I've struggled with myself. God, if this is not your will, then why is there so much trouble? This be your will. I mean, it ought to just fly by. I find the opposite. I find it when Jesus telling him to go to the other side, storms show up. Some storms show up, amen, to turn us around, to get us in the right direction. Some storms show up, amen, to see whether or not if we're willing to persevere and go through. when you can back it up with this right here. You can back it up with the Word of God. It's the voice of God. We, we, for time's sake, I'm, I'm going to go to some places here. And, and let's, let's talk about Jonah. Jonah, it's a good topic. It's, a, it's a four, four chapters. And, and it's the, all said and done, it's the Scripture setting We'll do our best, come back to the Hebrews and finish up with that. If I keep you an hour or two over today, well, that's be all right for today. <laughs> Praise God, I, I won't do that. So. Uh, <laughs> as we, we will look at Jonah, a man, you know, his, his name basically means dove. And, um, you know, He's sent to a people. If you do a study on the Ninevites, Ninevites were, from all accounts, a very wicked, cruel people. Harsh. Uh, one, one little reading I read on them talked about how they had bones piled out at the gate. They people that rose up against them. It's contrary to their opinions, their ideals, and way of living. They just killed them. Was a, a symbol and a testimony to anybody coming with something to, to, to be in opposition with them. You know, how well do we handle opposition? How well do we respond to it? How do we, you know, when, when people don't see it the way we see it and think the way we think? And <laughs> Boy, y'all not letting no expressions on your face. Uh, right there. You're being careful, aren't you? <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> But that says a lot about who and what we are. It's how we, we personally handle and respond unto things that we don't like. That's the reason I think you know, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Um, if you're going to win souls, you can't offend them. You can't make light of their hairdos. You can't make light of, of all this. You can't, you can't, when they walk by a snigger and, and they catch you out of the corner. They just mocked you off. I know it looks goofy. I know it's... But they don't know the left hand from the right. They just being, they just being sinners. Ignorant and unlearned. Serving their God. Walking in the lust thereof. They may have walked down a little further and looked snickered back at you and said, Did you see them folks? Crazy. And you know what? We got to respond to that right the opposite. 
We count that as glory. We count that as honor. We don't tune them. We don't, you know, tune them up, and we don't get in their face. If you don't get to dressing right, talking right, and doing right, you're gonna bust hell wide open. That ain't your place. That ain't my place. It's not. I don't do that because you never know the long-suffering God. Two weeks from then, they shine down upon them, and they repent, and get right with God. You're a false prophet. <laughs> Because, why? Paul helps us out with that. Because be angry and sin not. So emotions, emotion plays a part of it. What we behold, what we get encountered, what kind of conversations. You ever got to start a conversation with somebody and then a little while, man, that conversation goes from this, elevates to this and that, and all of a sudden you think, how do we get here? You've got an adversary. You've got a a, a enemy that's, that's doing everything he possibly can on a daily basis. Snares and traps a man to pollute you and rob you of your inheritance. That's the reason that we're instructed, amen, daily prayer, daily bread, daily walking in the Spirit. It's important. So, Jonah here is called upon, and, and uh, he, he, he didn't care for the Ninevites. He... he he, and he understands uh, the long-suffering and the mercy and, and how gracious God is. And, and so when the call is brought upon him, he decides to flee from the presence of God, the will of God, to a man, and go in the opposite direction. He decides to pay fare to get in a ship and go to Tarshish. And, and so you know the story how that God, God created a storm, a man, a tempest, a man, a, a storm that was severe, that those on that boat knew this is not a normal storm. This, hey, this thing is it's about to get the best of them. In fact, they didn't reach the point that everybody was on that boat with them. That ship with them was crying out to their God, except Jonah. Jonah had, now watch this. Instead of going up and doing God's will, from that point, he was going down. You could tell, amen, when people really want to start getting out of the will of God, they start going the opposite direction. They start going back to the old ways, the old beggar ways, the old carnal ways, and, and worldly things. And, and, and so, uh, here he is. He's going, he's going right the opposite. And, and after the storm comes, and the, 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 uh, one of the shipmen goes and wakes him and says, Hey, come on, you've got to cry out to your God. Your God may answer. And, and, and sure enough, as they begin to question him, uh, by the way, who are you? Where, where, where are you from? Who's, and whenever he informs him, he says, I'm an Hebrew. I serve the God of heaven and earth. Fear gripped them. They realized and understood by what was going on and what's playing out now that, hey, this is not a normal guy. This is not a normal situation that we've caught ourselves in. Your disobedience, now hear me right there. Your disobedience don't just affect you, ladies and gentlemen. Our disobedience to God affects all your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors, and people that care about you. It's not a one-soul environment, amen. It and sometimes it can involve people that you don't even know. He's, he's got them facing a storm and a trial now. And great fears gripping them. And they're afraid they're going to lose their lives and, and things of this nature, all these emotions. And, and they probably, they never, never, ever forgot that storm. They never forgot this episode that took place. In fact, it changed their lives. But, but God can save people without our disobedience. 
God can move on people without us walking in disobedience. But again, watch this. We're going to see the compassion of God. First of all, upon the prophet, Jonah himself. He could have just killed him. He could have called a heart attack or whatever and bottomed that ship and shipped him right on out. They could have thrown him out to the sea and nobody would even know anything about it. But not God. Not for God's purpose and God's will to be done. And so, after coming to that place and understanding, they begin to question him and he, he tells them. He says, you just throw me over. Just throw me out into that sea. Just throw me out in that storm. Watch this. I wonder if Jonah, even at that point and place in his life, he'd rather died than carry the gospel to the Ninevites and give them an opportunity to be saved. He was the one who said he didn't know God had prepared a fish. He wasn't even concerned about that at that moment in time. You got any scripture to back it up? Well, when you get to the end of it, you'll see. Hmm. He wanted to die. He'd rather die than to see those Ninevites find mercy and grace. Come on, they're talking to us. You're talking about, you're talking about a Christian. And that's when we can love our enemy. And that's when we can love them that's done us so wrong to the place that I'm still going to be a testimony before them. I'm still going to pray for them. I'm going to pray God to have mercy on them. Have compassion on them. See, there is a little balance with that. I don't want them to go to hell, but I sure hope God beats the daylights out of them. Strip them of their car and their home, their health and everything else. Hey, I'm more accurate than what you think now. You better watch that spirit. Better watch that attitude. That's what this world's full of now. Hate. Spitefulness. Envy. Strive. Over some things that don't mount to nothing. It really don't. But it's what you give. It's what spirit you give yourself to. If you're not careful, you'll justify it. And that's where the correcting of God comes in. So now, Jonah's thrown over. Now, wait a minute. Watch this. They try to save him. All within their power and their skill and ability, they wouldn't throw him over. So no, we're going to get you to the land. When, you, when, when God's in it, I don't care who they are, how big they are, whatever. When God's, it's not God's way, it's not going to happen. I don't care how, how specialist they may be, and if they've done it a thousand times, and God says no, it's not going to happen that way. So, so our, our obligation is to find the will of God. And do it that way. It may, sound, it may, may, may look like, man, doing something so far out there. That, that, but, but you don't worry about that. You just obey God. And let God receive the glory, the praise, and the honor. Because that's really what it's all about. And so, 
Finally, whenever they had come to the point place, they was, it was jeopardizing their own lives, the ship and everything, they finally come to the place to throw him over. And Scripture says it was like immediately that storm stopped. The waves, everything, buddy. And even greater fear gripped him. Amen. And say, begin to cry out and worship. Call on this God of heaven now. But God, the Bible said, God can prepare to fish. Because he knew if he could get Jonah in the right situation, in the right condition, I could do something for him. I'll tell you something. God, if we don't have time to make a prayer room for God, God can make us a prayer room. Oh, yeah. He can shut your world down, and you'll, you'll say, you know what? I'd rather be praying than doing anything else. I'd rather be reading my Bible and talking to you, God, right now, because you're the one. You're the, you're the source. You're the supplier. You're, you're the answer. You're the one that's holding this thing. You know, the Scripture's real plain when it instructed us that we live and move and have our being by Him. Everybody. Sing the song, Brother Brennan and Sister Mel. I can't even make one step without him holding my hand. But he prepares this fish. And so Jonah finds himself now. He finds himself in such a situation and a condition. Uh, no way any other man could rescue him now. He's in the belly of a fish. A fish has been prepared. Jesus called it a whale. Y'all do with that whatever y'all want to, and others can do with that. They tell us it's impossible. Yeah, that's because you're a non-believer. God can make a way where there seemed to be no way. God can prepare ways a man that's never been prepared before. God can cause methods to work that never had worked before. But because God's in it, because if God's in it, who can be against us, including death? Man, what a God we serve. And so... So here's Jonah now. Thank God he still believed in praying. The power of prayer. The power of prayer when it seems that you can do nothing else. And I know sometimes we, we linger toward that, but that doesn't mean we haven't been praying. But now we're at the place that God, prayer is the only thing that's going to get us. It's going to bring us deliverance. It's going to bring us out of this. And so he begins to pray. And even though the, the bars of earth was around him, He's at the very, very foot, the very foundation of the mountains and the, the waters and the billows had compassed him. And, and now the seaweed that's wrapped around his neck, choking the life out of him. It's amazing what prayer can do. Even in situations and circumstances where you feel like you're locked away from everybody and everything else, the power of prayer. The best that was in him turned his way because he remembered what Solomon had prayed. Turned his way to that temple, the best in you have, and cried out for this God. And he began to repent and experience the compassion of God. And all the time, amen. I don't know how long it took, maybe three days journey now because he'd went in the wrong direction. But that prepared well. That fish was carrying him to a land. You see, they was going to put him out on the wrong land. They couldn't put him on the right land. They couldn't put him out on the right shore. Even though they were as sincere and honest as they could about it. 
It still was not the land. It was not the will of God. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people in pulpits today. They're sincere and honest about what they're doing. But they don't know anything about the foundation. They don't know anything about the will of God. And so they really can't lead to others. Those just listening to them. And I know that's a little harsh. But it's still the truth. With false doctrines. False teacher. Coming in sheep clothing. I'm telling you. We got more problems with that than we have genuine devils out there. Men's traditions, formalities, and made them as gods and methods and means of salvation. But it's not in the book. So here's Jonah now. She cries out, he repents, and huh, no doubt he become willing now to obey God. Well, my prayer is, Lord, help me to be willing to do your will without all that. But God, if it takes it, and bring it on. I'd rather that to happen. Mind up lost and undone. But not only for myself. But what about the individuals. That I'm supposed to be witnessing to. And standing up for. And get, at least. Giving them. An opportunity. To know this God. And to know truth. So sure enough. The Bible says that the well. When he reached that point in place. It. He was said he vomit, vomit him out upon the land. <laughs> I'd have been like one of them watermelon speed seed spitting contests, you know. It wasn't with a lot of compassion. He was straight to the point. And in that three-day journey, buddy, he didn't cut him no slack. And maybe, maybe that's what it took. Because of the city that was so great and so wicked and so vile. That the wickedness that became before God. And even God at this time said, I'm not going to come and destroy you like I did Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to show him compassion. I'm going to send him a preacher. Better thank God for preachers. Preachers that will walk right, talk right, preach right. Standing in a gap sometimes. It's not the easiest thing to do. Huh. So here goes Jonah now. Begins to preach to him. Man, that in 40 days, judgment's coming. And watch it. The message, it affected everybody. The Bible makes it clear. From the greatest to the least. From the king right on now. Man, he begins to call a fast. He begins to call on prayer. He begins to take those king robes off and puts on sackcloth. And, you know, the idea that some's got that we've got to have this thing, the setting of it and uh, the comfort of it. And the, I'm going to tell you something. When you sell out to God and want to know God, it won't matter who's around. It won't, it won't matter. It won't make any difference what it looks like or sounds like. You won't care. I just want to get right with God. I want to, I want to, I want to be what he wants me to be. I'm not going to let pride rot me, a man of the inheritance and the favor of God in my life. No, I'm going to repent. I'm going to die out. I'm going to overcome them. I'm going to put up the fight, amen, against those powers of evil and wickedness. And, and so here's Jonah now. She comes out and preaches to them, and they repent and turn. And watch this. It got so serious. Hey, in this day and time, you turn, you turn some houses upside down if you told them to take that little 
That little poodle you've got, that little cat you've got, and you don't feed it for three days and three nights. They, some of them wouldn't do it. At the cost of their own soul, they wouldn't do it because they're so sold out. They'd look at you and that like, you've lost your mind, but you know what? Everybody there in that city joined in and agreed and began to fast. And for three days, no water, no food. Cows, donkeys. I'm sure by the second day, they were so much lowing and howling and it moved God. It moved the compassion of God. <laughs> Amen. And so sure enough, he bring judgment. Now Jonah goes outside the east side of the city, if you noticed. That's the only way you're going to get in this city, some of the east side. It's the only place there's a door. But on that east side, there's prone to come east wind that God prepares. The same God that prepared a fish. Amen. Is the same God that prepared, amen, because Jonah went on that east side and he built him what he called a boot. It was just like a telephone boot. It's just a little shack built out of branches. And it wasn't a place of comfort by no means. And, and so when that sun and that eastern sun, when it would come up early in the morning, it would hit him early and stay with him most pretty much all day long. And so God, God prepared a gourd and allowed this gourd to come up in one night and overshadow him and overshadow his, his head to shed him, amen, and put a shadow over him to keep him, amen, from the, from the heat that he could be comfortable. And man, he, he, just, he just rejoiced in that. And man, God's so good. God's blessing me. And all the time God was testing him and trying to see Man, I wonder if he'll show compassion. But sure enough, God also prepared a worm, and that worm killed that old gourd, and it dried up and withered away. And, 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 and Jonah's upset about it. He's beside himself. And, and so at the ending of all of it, and I know my time's running out, past time, I'm sorry. But at the end of all of it, you're going to see, he questions, he questions Jonah. He questions him about his anger. About his wrath. Why are you so mad? Over a gourd that you didn't spend, put no effort into or nothing. And, and, and you got angered about it withering and dying. Why shouldn't I show compassion and mercy and grace on some 60,000 people that don't know the difference between the left and right hand? Never had the opportunity to know this Jehovah God. Church, watch this. I know what time, but as you go back to the scriptures, let's watch them real close. I'd have you stand, but don't. Just, just hang with me. And he had forgotten the exhortations which speak unto you as unto children. The, the encouragements. Uh, you've forgotten it. Uh, the writer, you know, he, he talks not to let it slip. We've we got to hold on to it. We, got to, we can't let this truth. We can't let the blessings of God. We can't let them just slip. Sometimes it would do us good to remember where God brought us from. 
Sometimes it would do us good what God's kept us from. That I didn't get suckered into that. I didn't get snared into it. I did what my own power and my own ability, but again, it was your grace and mercy that was showing up. It was those hedges that you put around me. Come on, preacher. Let me tell you something. The potter knows the clay. He knows the clay better than the clay knows itself. Jeremiah said, the heart's wicked and vile above all things. Who can know it? But the Bible says God would try the heart. Try the reins. <laughs> Hallelujah. And God will not put things upon us that we can't bear. With every temptation, he'll make a way of escape. And let me tell you something. Every time he corrects us, every time he chastises us, amen, it's out of love. And it's out of a purpose and a goal that we might make heaven, that we might partake of his holiness and the benefits of serving him. So watch what he says here. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Don't despise it. That's easier said than done. When you're in the struggle, it's easier said and done when you feel the lashes, the pain, the, the agony, and, and possibly the, the infirmities that you're in, and the, the weakness and the hopelessness and helplessness that you may feel at the moment, the time of that. You don't remember them times? You couldn't get away. You had you by the hand. You wanted to flee from it, but, but that wasn't the best thing to happen. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Every son. If he endure chastening, if, notice how he put it, if you can endure it, what Brother McCain, what did he tell us? God, pull you out. If you could stand the pulling. Sometimes, some situations, by your fault or by the umbrella of the curse that's on mankind or by the decision of a loved one, a friend, or a neighbor, or a community. Hallelujah. Sometimes we're all suckered into it. Sometimes we're all pulled into it. But oh, but if we can endure the chastening, amen, of our Heavenly Father, I'm telling you, we can win this race. God dealeth with you as with sons. What's this next? For what son is he whom a father chatteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, if you be without that, what's this? If God never chastise you, then you're a bastard. You're none of his. Ponder that one for a minute. 
We better be thankful that God loves us enough that he chastises us and correct us. And God, whatever method you see fit to use, or whatever individual you use to do it, God, you help us not to get crossed up with them, get the wrong spirit with them. Because when you and I do that, it's as though we're doing it against God and despising the chastening rod of God. And when you start despising, it means to reject it. Evil hearts of unbelief. Evil hearts of unbelief is the ones that's prone and subject that we'll find our own way of salvation. We'll find our own methods of covering our sins. We'll find us some fig leaves. We'll find somebody that agrees like we agree and sees it like we see it. Oh, God, help us to pray. We could see it like the Father sees it. That we become the product. That we become the finished product. That God desires us to be. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. We feared them. We didn't talk back to them. We didn't run in the closet and grab a gun and go in there and blow their brains out. You see the condition of our world? That's because they rejected the Heavenly Father. And when you reject and lose the fear of the Heavenly Father, it bleeds in and pours into that you lose fear of all authority. And you find a struggle of submitting to it and yielding to it. And whenever the, the real results of that is whenever you start resisting it and coming against it. Why you think we're moving even in this country? We're backing up, folks. We say what we want to. When we start, God, where we got to start toting guns to church, we, we're not progressing. We're backing up. That's the old West way of doing it. It's not God's way. We shouldn't glory in that. But actually, we ought to be ashamed. And I'm talking about as America, that God's been so good to Blessed our fields, blessed our labor, blessed our knowledge and ability to advance beyond all other nations, including Israel. Because we're the bride, because we bear the name, because we believe in praying, because we believe in worshiping in spirit and truth. There's some benefits with that, folks, that goes far beyond this earth. It prepares a table, I'm telling you, that money can't buy. Nothing can, can, nothing, nobody but God. I tell you, I read a scripture. It's really been on my mind. Having a right to the altar. Having a right to the altar. The only way to have a right is to really have a true godly repentance and sorrow for our iniquities and unrighteousness. Because really not having a right to the altar Neither would we have a right to the table that he's got spread in the presence of our enemy. That we could come and dine and find what we need in a time of need. 
But, oh, God, help us in this church. We're going to get it and keep it. Through.